0: Get your eyes off of other people, and even yourself and your own problems, and fix your gaze on Christ and leave it there. Study the Gospels. Know what went into Him persevering. And remember, what kept Him going is the same thing that needs to keep us going, and that is the joy at the finish
1: line. The joy at the finish line. How often do you think about that? That kind of thinking can carry us through a lot of pain and adversity. It helps to know that our troubles are temporary. Even if it's chronic pain that will last the rest of your life, if you're a Christ follower that pain is temporary. I have a friend who has suffered severe crippling back pain for his whole life. He is in his 70s now and has had to use a motorized wheelchair to get around, but his contagious joy infects everyone around him. He knows that God has something wonderful in store for him. Hello and welcome to Verse by Verse with Pastor Teacher Steve Kreloff. Pastor Steve has been ministering at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida since 1981. God has used his clear expository messages to encourage his listeners. As a result, verse-by-verse ministries came about so that those messages can be heard by listeners to this radio station. Verse-by-verse is a daily Bible class of the air that we hope helps you to stand firm in the faith God has given you. Today's class is the final portion of Pastor Steve's concluding message on the heroes of the faith. It's been quite a tour through the scriptures as we've explored the lives of those trailblazers of the faith who've gone on before us and who have shown us how to live every day by faith, not by sight. The Apostle Paul told us in Ephesians 6 to take up the shield of faith so that it will extinguish the fiery arrows that Satan constantly shoots at us. After a review of what it means to take up that shield, Pastor Steve will introduce us to the ultimate hero of the faith. The previous heroes had some serious blemishes. They were great examples, but not perfect ones. This next example is a perfect example.
0: Now, what the shield of faith was in in ancient times was it was a large shield, not speaking about a, a small shield. There are different kinds of shields. We about a large shield that covered a Roman soldier's body, because in Roman warfare, what they wanted to do uh, was was eventually your enemy wanted to have hand-to-hand combat with you, but he had to get you inactive in order to do that. And so what they did, they would fire arrows or darts which had been dipped in pitch that burned slowly and very hot, hotly. Before shooting the arrows, they would light them so they just burst into flames, and then they would aim it at the enemy. If it penetrated, if it didn't hit your, your shield and it penetrated you, it would obviously burn you. And I understand that it would burst into more flames. And then you, you would take down your shield and your guard and you would be the soldier would be inactive. And then your enemy would rush in and could defeat you, most likely defeat you in hand-to-hand combat. Now, our enemy, Satan, throws flaming darts at us in the forms of temptations to doubt and not believe God. And if those darts, if you let them hit you, they're going to burst into more areas of doubt, and they spread, and then you're inactive, and then you'll be defeated. So what is the shield of faith? It is our trust in God's word. It is trusting that God, what God has said is true. That's the shield of faith. Look, you know, as we've gone over this in Hebrews chapter 12, it's obvious that God has a course laid out for us. His unique plan for your life. It's not the plan for my life. My my plan is different. Uh, God's plan for me is different than God's plan for you. But he has a unique course for every one of us. And uh, for some, as I said, it may be to go to the mission field. It may be to do something that's difficult. It may be just a rough situation. It may be uh, some hard times. And we're all tempted To not want to run that course because we can't, we, we say we don't believe God. That's the bottom line. We don't believe God that we can trust him to give us the grace in this situation, these situations. So some of us have dropped out. We've gotten off course. What you need to do today is get back on course because the Old Testament heroes of faith say to us, we stayed on course and God was true to his word. So we've got to get back on course, get back in the race. See, it's our turn to run. And as we run now, we're going to be given a second encouragement to keep running, even when we might feel like quitting. The first encouragement is the Old Testament heroes of faith. The second encouragement, and this is something, by the way, that even the heroes of faith didn't have. The second encouragement is the example of Jesus Christ. Verse 2, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God all good runners stay focused it's just the way it is they, they don't allow things to distract them in a race uh, like other people or a crowd or, or noise in fact um, when I looked at the video of the uh, New York City Marathon I remember the announcer saying that uh, this man's gonna win and, and he wasn't ahead at that point. And the reason he said that is, uh, this former runner who was announcing it, or was the analyst, said, notice his eyes. He's not being distracted. He's looking straight ahead. But look at the other man. I think the fellow is from Mexico who, uh, eventually came in second. He said he's turning his head. He's looking around. And, uh, that's a sign he's growing weary. He's growing tired. And it was true. The South African kept his, his eyes fixed ahead and, and he won, uh, because he wasn't distracted. I, on the other hand, finished out of 27,000, 18,000, and forty-eight, something like that. And why? Because I allowed, purposely allowed everything to get my attention. I purposely did that. I purposely didn't stay focused, not that I would have challenged. The guys in front. Had I stayed focused, but I would have finished better. Had I stayed focused, but I my first marathon. I wanted purpose. I took in the sights and sounds and, and the noise and the smells of New York City. That's what I wanted to do. Uh, that's true of sports in general. When a baseball batter goes up, they they don't say keep your eye on the pitcher. You say keep your eye on the ball. Stay focused. When you're playing defense in basketball, you 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 uh, are are to stay focused on. The, the basketball. And you watch that. But in a spiritual marathon known as the Christian life, we are to stay focused on one object, one object, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. Notice that verse two refers to him as Jesus, not Jesus Christ, not even the Lord Jesus Christ, because the writer's emphasis here is on the earthly life and ministry of our Lord, and in his earthly life and ministry, he was called Jesus. The writer tells us to fix our eyes on Jesus and the way he lived on this earth. That's what he's saying. And how did he live? By faith. By faith. That's why he's referred to as the author and the perfecter of faith. Author in the sense that he is the leader of faith. He is the leader. In other words, he is the supreme example of how to live by faith, perfecter of faith in the sense that he's completed. The word perfect means to complete, a goal. He's completed the race of faith. He finished his course with triumphant faith. He is the supreme example, even beyond the Old Testament characters of, of how we are to run the race of faith. Jesus lived by faith like nobody else. In fact, even though he, on earth, he is the God-man. In fact, he is the God-man even now. But even though he is God, while on earth, he didn't operate in his own strength, in the, in the divine power of himself. As a man, he trusted the Father. He lived in the power of the Spirit. He lived as a man, and that's why he's our supreme example. And his prayer life, for example, was a, was a life of, of faith. His resistance to Satan demonstrated his trust in God's word. His humble trust in the Garden of Gethsemane was a demonstration of faith. First Peter 2.23 says, though he was reviled, he reviled not. I mean, though he was cursed at, he didn't, he didn't scream back at them. But what? He kept entrusting himself to the one who judges righteously. Even his last words on the cross were, were words of faith. He said, Father, into thy hands I commit my spirit. Always faith. Even his enemies recognized his trust in God. They said, uh, he trusted God, let God deliver him as he was on the cross. But how did Jesus endure the cross? Have you ever asked yourself that? How did he endure the cross? Well, this verse tells us, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. Now he is set down, set down at the right hand of the throne of God. The reason that Jesus did not waver in the race or quit was because of the joy awaiting him at the finish line. Exaltation, glorification, which included... Uh, the, the finished work of Christ, the satisfaction of, of, of finishing that work and bringing many sons and daughters to glory, but the exaltation and glorification, that's what kept him going. And he knew it was waiting for him because Psalm 16, verse 11 says, in thy joy is, in thy presence is uh, joy forevermore. He knew that referred to him. It was a messianic psalm. Now, what is the writer to the Hebrews saying to us? How do we apply it to his life? His point is this. When you feel like giving up and you're discouraged over your circumstances or you've been burned by somebody and you're you're just uh, really having some difficulties, you need to think about Jesus and the circumstances he faced and how he endured the cross, the most degrading punishment for those considered subhuman. That's what Jesus endured. And even though he despised the shame, it said he despised the shame of it. He didn't say oh great the cross he despised the shame he was he was crucified as one who was cursed by God disgraced by man it says that Jesus persevered and endured it even though he despised the shame and that's why we need to fix our eyes on him because no matter what you and I go through it will never ever be as tough as what he went through never Never will it be as tough. And he didn't give up and disobey. And that's why the writer says in verse 3, For consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself, so that you may not grow weary and lose heart. Whenever you think of giving up, you look at Jesus. Because he never gave up. And you never have gone through anything like he's gone through.
1: It has been truly said that no matter how tough we have it, someone else has had or had it tougher. That's not real comforting, unless we can see a reason to hope that our own situation will be resolved. Well, the Bible promises that our trials will come to a wonderful conclusion. Jesus not only told us, He blazed the trail for us. Our lesson could almost end on that note, but Pastor Steve has some valuable, practical things to tell us right after we greet those folks who have just tuned in. You are listening to Verse by Verse with Pastor Teacher Steve Kreloff. Pastor Steve has been ministering at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida since 1981. Verse-by-verse Ministries is pleased to make these expository or verse-by-verse messages available through this fine radio station. Today's lesson is the conclusion of Pastor Steve's final message about the heroes of the faith, which are chronicled in Hebrews chapter 11. If you missed the start of class, or if you want to hear the complete message, I'll explain how to take care of both of those details at the conclusion of our broadcast. Let's get back to class now. Here is Pastor Steve.
0: You see, let me tell you something very, very practical. The problem with so many of us is that our eyes are fixed on some person or people other than Jesus. In fact, the writer here, literally in the Greek, it means look away to Jesus. Turn away from whatever you're looking at. It may be other people. It may be that your eyes are fixed on, on a, a pastor or pastors or some well-known Bible teacher or, or teachers at school or close friends. And, and what happens if they fall spiritually, you're devastated. You're just devastated. Why? Because your eyes got away from Jesus. Your eyes are away from Jesus. Or even looking at yourself and your problems. I do not endorse modern, uh, uh, even Christian counseling approach that says, let's look within. Let's look at ourselves. Let's look at our background. I want to look at my background. I don't want to look within. That's depressing. I'm here for help. I don't want to be more discouraged than when I first came. That's not, that's not biblical. The Bible says, turn away from your problems. Turn away from yourself. Looking unto Jesus. I don't, know, I don't want to know where, how I got these problems. I want to know how I get rid of them. So get your eyes off of other people, and even yourself and your own problems, and fix your gaze. That's what he means. Fix your gaze on Christ and leave it there. Study the Gospels. Know what, what, what went into to him persevering. And remember, what kept him going is the same thing that needs to keep us going, and that is the joy at the finish line. And we have a finish line, too, and there is so much joy there. And that's what you need to remember. The joy of what? Being in his presence. The joy of our inheritance. The joy of our spiritual rewards. Romans chapter 8, verse 18 says basically it'll be worth it all. It'll be worth it all when we see Jesus. We need to run that spiritual marathon looking forward to hearing those words at the finish line, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into what? The joy of your Lord or Master. Let me tell you something from my own experience about running a marathon. And it's true in the spiritual realm, and that's why I'm bringing out these these things to you. There is no joy in running a marathon apart from the first few miles. I will tell you that there it is not fun it's not something you just go out and say I think I'll have some fun today it, it is pure agony during the marathon after the first few miles my left knee began to throb I had to take two extra strength Tylenol just to to continue after a while my legs felt like lead you feel like you're shuffling them that they're not they're not rising they're, they're just moving along uh, my energy was gone uh, and I wasn't even thinking clearly. In fact, um, when we got into Central Park, there most of the people, in fact, all of them were really cheering us on and giving words of encouragement. But there was one fellow in Central Park who was yelling at us. Now, by the twenty second mile, you're not thinking clearly. and and I can only compare. it must be how how a woman in labor feels at the end of her labor, because I thought, I'm gonna grab this guy. If I had energy, <laughs> I'm going to pull him out and uh, stomp on him. If I had the energy, I think I would have done that. That You're not even thinking straight. You're you're not even thinking straight. At at about the 22nd, 23rd mile, uh, I, I heard voices. I heard my family saying, finish. Don't come back unless you finish. Words like that. Finish. I would have crawled to the end if I had to and uh, many people I didn't go fast enough to hit what's called the wall but many people hit the wall about the from the 18 to about the 21st mile which is your body switching over to another energy level or or a different fuel from your body it's a horrible feeling I've hit that in, in other runs but not then so it is not fun it's not fun what then you must ask this question in your mind what would compel someone to do something like run a marathon you know why you continue You know why you continue on? For the same reason we're not to quit the Christian race, the joy at the finish line. That's all you think about. This will be over. This will be over soon. There's joy at the finish line, and there is nothing, and I want to tell you, there is nothing quite like the feeling of crossing the finish line to the the cheering throngs of the people in Central Park, and then you receive a medal. You receive a medal. I want to close by reading, don't close your mind, but I want to close by reading about The Finish Line. It's a book by Newt Larson, who's a very fine pastor in Ohio, and it's called. the book is called Run Steady, Run Straight. And he writes about one marathon runner's description of what it's like to run in a marathon, and uh, then he compares it to the Christian life. Here's what this marathon runner said. The start of the marathon is joyous, after all those weeks of training, anticipation, and anxiety, the physical release of beginning the race is a pure high. Like children rushing out for recess, we're finally moving. Some children in the yard up ahead are holding up a, a hand-lettered sign that says Baskin-Robbins, one mile. I wonder what would happen if all the would-be marathoners decided to forget the whole thing and just go eat ice cream. Would it spoil some vast eternal plan? Maybe it would. 10 miles and all's well. Try not to subtract 10 miles from 26 if you can help it. The runners aren't talking and laughing now. Everyone seems to be absorbed in his own personal struggle. 21 miles, yes, Virginia, there is a wall. It's alive and well and living in Michigan. It just keeps falling on me. Not one big crash, just a whole bunch of little ones. The ceilings and floors are crumbling too. The whole building has been condemned. Can a condemned building run five more miles? There are a lot of people walking up ahead. Does the universe care if you stop and walk in a marathon? Do I care? If I stop and walk, will the earth stop revolving around the sun or something? Four more miles, or is it four more light years? Henderson says you're supposed to let the other runners carry you through the last part of the race. That sounds like a good idea, but there aren't many runners around now. There are some walkers, but they don't help. They discourage me. There's one runner up ahead in a yellow t-shirt. On the back, the word dummy is printed in blue letters. Does that mean him or me? (laughs) It could work either way. Grinding out the last four miles with a big blue dummy sign jiggling in front of me. Now he's slowing down. Don't stop. If you pull me in, I'll push you in. Fair, fair enough. He's walking. I'll have to pass him. Goodbye, brother dummy. See you in the shower. The water tower is getting closer, uh, though. It's not a mirage. There's an end to this somewhere. Somewhere on the other side of infinite distance, infinite time. Maybe when I finish, I can lie down and drink the water tower until it's dry. Or maybe they can carry me to the top and throw me in. But I have to finish. That's not a choice. I have to finish. I don't know why. I don't care why. Burn what you have to, body. Just let me finish. Burn it in the runner's internal fires and send the smoke out the runner's chimney. 25 miles, just past the timers, there's a nice-looking girl. She asked me if I want some ice. Her smile reflects concern and compassion. We're going to make it, old oh, paint. We're going to fall down, Man, uh, mangy moose. Just don't fall down. If I fall down, six men and a crane won't get me up. 26 miles, only the stupid 385 yards to go. I think the extra yards came in because some queen of England didn't want to move uh, to watch an Olympic marathon. I'll finish now. The rest of it could be barbed wire and broken glass, and I'd crawl over it somehow. I'd rather finish running, though. Here's the track. It's almost over. Oh, what a beautiful sight. There's a great big finish banner to run under. There are people there and some kind of music. If marathoners have a heaven, it must be something like this. Now, let me read to you Newt Larson's parallel for the Christian marathon. The start of the Christian life is joyous. After all those years of fighting faith, the spiritual release of beginning the race is a pure high. Like children rushing out for recess, we're finally saved. Some people at work are trying to get me to forget Sundays and join their sports club, and they laugh at my faith. I wonder what would happen if all Christians decided to forget the whole thing and just go sit around. Would it spoil some vast eternal plan? Maybe it would, for sure. Ten years and all's well. Try not to think about all the possible temptations if you can help it. Tests hit. Not everyone is talking and laughing now. Some have dropped out or fallen back. Now and then a wall hits. Satan makes inroads. Life seems like it isn't even worth it. For a few days you even forget that you have the Holy Spirit. It's scary, but you get back to trusting and the running and serving happens again. A lot of people are walking now. In fact, some of the people who got you started in the Christian life are walking. Some of them are even sitting down. They got tired, they say. A few invite you to join them in the shade, but you can't because you hear the voice of the Lord in the scriptures calling you. Somehow in your mind's eye you see him running, enduring the worst of affliction taking even the pain of the cross for you, and you want to go on. You ask for the control of the Spirit, and you get you get going, doing what's right. There's one runner up ahead with the word hypocrite uh, printed in big blue letters on his back. Does that mean him or me? It could work either way. Now he's slowing down. He's walking. I'll have to pass him. Goodbye, brother hypocrite. The end is getting closer. I know Christ will be back someday. Maybe when he comes, I can lie down and drink from the water of life forever in the presence of Jesus Christ himself. I have to finish. It's a choice, but I have chosen. I know why, because of all Christ has done for me and the beauty of the finish. I'll finish now. The rest of the race could be a test of all kind, but I know the Lord will give grace and strength. I'm going to make it. Here's the finish banner, and Christ is back. What a sight, and some kind of music. There's my mother and my sister. Hello, hello. There's David and Paul and all the saints. Jesus, my Lord, I love you.
1: What a finish! What a great allegory! And what a great study we have had learning from the heroes of the faith. Where are you in the marathon of life? Perhaps you haven't even started yet. As you can see, it is not always easy to have faith. But we have also seen that it is worth it. Perhaps you started well, but you've gotten tired. Don't give up. Look at the example that Jesus set. Focus on what the Apostle Paul focused on. He said in Philippians chapter 3, verses 13-14, through 14, Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. What is the upward call? That's when Christ returns and calls His followers to meet Him in the air. That's our goal, to be among those whom He will raise from the dead to eternal life. Now that's worth more than anything, isn't it? Genuine saving faith perseveres to the end. You have been listening to Verse by Verse with Pastor Teacher Steve Kreloff. Pastor Steve has been ministering for over 25 years at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. His messages are made available to this radio station through Verse by Verse Ministries. It's a faith ministry made possible through the prayers and gifts of interested listeners who have first been faithful to their own church. If you would like to hear this broadcast again, please visit our website, versebyverseradio.org. You can listen online or download the audio file and listen later. If you look around, you'll also find an archives page with previous programs. That's versebyverseradio.org. To hear Pastor Steve's entire message about the Spiritual Marathon, you can call us at 727 727- 2390306. You will then be able to order an audio CD or a cassette tape. That number again, 727-239-0306. Thanks for joining us for today's class. It has been great to have you with us. Please join us again for the next verse by verse and the beginning of another study.